that. I'm Michelle Fernandez. I am the executive director and the founder of Soaring Spirits International. For those of you who have not yet heard of Soaring Spirits, we provide research-based programs and practical tools, as well as a community of support for widowed people around the world. We have been working with widowed people for 12 years, and uh, widowed people are our passion. So um, everyone who works with Soaring Spirits, 99.9% uh, .9 are widowed themselves. And so we bring to the experience of working with and providing programs for widowed people our own widowed experience as well. And that is actually one of the topics that we're going to speak about today. So as I said at the beginning, our topic today is leaning on your widowhood when things get tough. I am delighted to be joined by a panel of other awesome widowed people who I've had the great pleasure of working with in a variety of ways. Um, and I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. So we're going to start with a TEDx speaker and um, a and. This Tanya Villanueva Tepper was also featured in Project Rebirth, which is was a special project done um, for 9-11 survivors. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Um, yes, I'm Tanya Villanueva Tepper. I was widowed on September 11th, uh, 2001, when my fiance Sergio answered the call to the World Trade Center and then we came home. Um, it was a very difficult... <laughs> journey in that initial aftermath of not knowing if he was coming home, if he was missing, if he was going to be recovered, all of that. And what saved me was um, the fire department had set up a counseling unit and uh, support groups pretty early on. And being in group with other widows who were grieving for the same reason at the same time was really what saved my life. Um, fast forward, I took part in this documentary project called Rebirth, uh, which has its home at the 9-11 uh, National Museum. Um, and they followed us from 2002 to 2010, documenting what our journey was like through grief and healing. And they also um, filmed different uh, significant events that happened along the way for me. I was able to get married again. I have two daughters. And when the movie was released on the 10th anniversary in 2011, I started to hear from other widows saying how helpful it was to see my journey and how hopeful it was for them to be able to, to see that they could potentially get through it also. And that was kind of what led me on my path to finding how I could start to give back to the widow community. And I did a simple Google search for widow support and came up with the Widowed Village, which is a program of Soaring Spirits International. And that's a 24-hour chat forum for any of you who aren't aware. It's a great resource for you. Uh, it was in the Widowed Village that I found out about Camp Widow, which is our signature program, a weekend-long I call it a retreat where widows come together um, and they participate in workshops and uh, roundtable discussions and fun. If I can say there's actually, it's actually fun to go to Camp Widow and mostly community. And um, I've been going since 2013. It's been 
definitely very fulfilling um, on so many levels for me. And it's brought all of the meaning to my loss to be able to help widows on the journey after me. So that's who I am. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tanya. I'm so grateful to have you. Uh, our next speaker, Tom Ward, walks with families through traumatic loss and also um, does outreach with supporting military, um, military families and uh, has done so much wonderful work with Soaring Spirits over the years. We're delighted to have him with us today. Tom, if you would please. Hi, hi everyone. My name is Tom. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm 74 years old. When I was 50 and my wife was 47, uh, my wife uh, and I was a witness to my wife's homicide. It occurred in our home uh, and involved obviously or evident, obviously a family member. So um, that was 24 years ago. And um, it's fair to say that that event fractured our family and uh, especially my wife's family. So um, uh, I don't ever want to uh, equate my, our loss with anyone else's loss, but it was, it was something that we were totally unprepared for. So the journey um, since that time, I continued working and uh, I struggled and I, I spent a lot of, effort trying to um, heal the wounds of so many uh, people in our family. And I found that to, task to be daunting and, yet, and almost, uh, almost unreachable for me alone. So over time, um, I would say that much of our uh, trauma has resolved somewhat. Uh, it varies by who was, uh, you know, who, how, how they related to my wife and how they related to our children and how they related to me. Um, so uh, I'm in a much better place. Uh, I've really taken time to work on my own recovery and I've had a lot of professional help. And now I got to a point about 10 years ago where I could finally reach out to lend a hand to others. And I'm especially drawn to military veterans, uh, especially war veterans. And I actually started a nonprofit in Texas that uh, assists uh, veteran families from Iraq and Afghanistan. So um, my, my come by Camp Widow via trauma, I didn't discover the fellowship available through Camp Widow until I had 19 years on my own. And that was a turning point for me to meet 350 to 400 people at a conference. And we all had something in common. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, we're so glad to have you. And um, I especially love that you share that it, that when you came to us, your experience was 19 years um, because so many times we make the assumption that the support that's available through a widowed community is really only necessary in the early stages. And my experience, um, my loss has been 15 years this year. My experience is that this sense of community is an ongoing part of my meaning, the meaning of my life. And so I'm really grateful always to be able to share that with people, uh, however long it has been since they've experienced the death of their spouse or partner. So welcome, Tom. Thank you so much for being here. And last but certainly not least, 
Leslie Streeter, who is the author of the recently released book, Black Widow. My name is Leslie Grace Streeter. I am a, a reporter and a columnist in West Palm Beach, Florida. And five years ago, this July, my husband, Scott, who was 44 at the time, almost 45, um, had a heart attack in front of me as we were making out. And I say this because if people go, what? That's really personal. But A, it's super shocking. B, I didn't have that thing that some widowed people have where you go, were we getting along? Were we talking? Was there anything between us? There was not. Uh, so everything was super cool to that point. Um, I, and I, I think maybe my signature, it's not a thing, it's just sort of how I am, is that I deal with these things with humor. Um, Michelle talked about my book, the co, um, the subtitle is A Sad Funny Journey Through Grief for People Who Normally Avoid Books with Words Like Journey in the title which is not to say anything against the word journey. I just, I was not that person. None of us wanted to be in this situation. No one wants to be an expert on widowhood. No one wants to be an expert on grief, certainly not from a personal perspective. But um, Michelle said earlier that, you know, I think this was before we start recording, but that this happened to us and what do you do with it? And because I'm obviously a person who talks a lot and likes words and stuff, um, I said, I'll write about this, um, both therapeutically to get it out, and because I felt like there were people like myself for many reasons. Um, before my book came out, Timby Locke's book from scratch had not come out. So at, until that point, there had not yet been a majorly released story about widowhood from a, from a black perspective. Um, and she was younger than me when her widowhood happened. So there was that situation. There was the parenthood. And basically just sort of like, going, here's my stuff and hope that you relate. And I've had people from so many from communities, from the adoption community, because our, our son is adopted, to African-American widows, to those who have kids, to just people who, like me, I'm spiritual, but I'm not like a person that goes, and I'm going to take these five steps and do this thing, and here is a, a thing that has butterflies on it. And there are some people who, who re relate to that, but I am not. I told them, like, this setup is like the only, I'm a hoarder. Not really. I'm just messy. <laughs> Every, this is the only clean part of my house, and I'm all <laughs> over the place. So I figured if I was just real, that people would be real back to me, and that is part of what I think the, the success of the message, not the book, but of the message has been, is that there's no one way to do this. And that's one of the things that Camp Widow, which I found as I was writing the book, I actually wrote part of it at Camp Widow in Tampa, just sitting in my room going, my kid's not here, I can do this. Um, <laughs> was, and I felt the support of it was that I was looking for places to speak and talk and to, to commune with people. And it was right up the road in Tampa. Um, and I found out like a couple months before it happened. I said, do you have any space? And Michelle was like, yes, we do. Come on in. And I, I you can't get rid of me. I've been here ever since. So <laughs> we're not even trying to get rid of you. So that's a good thing. I'll tell you that the conversations that I've been having with widowed people over the last several months have all been kind of focused on what is it like to live through this time in the world, which includes both a pandemic and social injustice on a, and a, on a very large scale, and all of these kind of vulnerabilities coming together, including everything from sheltering at home by yourself without seeing anyone for months and months, to juggling a full-time job, 
doing uh, remote schooling with small children and, you know, trying to maintain your sanity while, you know, being the only adult in your household, um, as well as, you know, blended families, just like every kind of experience has kind of been put under a microscope in this new sort of unprecedented time. So- I, when I remember being first widowed, I didn't have any, I didn't have a clue who, who to go to or who to ask anything about. But the, one of the biggest things I've learned uh, over time is that uh, I was previously more focused on long range thoughts and long range plans. When I say long range, I'm talking about two years, three years, five year plan. I didn't necessarily have those written in stone, but I was so always conscious of where am I, where am I going to take my career or where am I going to go? Where are we going to move next? And being widowed and being suddenly widowed and having my life suddenly changed. Over time, one of the lessons I've learned is to super focus on now. The moments really count. And those now, there's a lot of nows in a 24-hour day. My gosh, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of nows. And I think I may have missed a bunch of those when I was kind of focused uh, one eye on long range, three years, five years, or whatever. Um, not that I would dismiss that, but my focus is really on now. And it's what it's done, it's stretched my days. My days, I describe them as 28-hour days. I don't work 28 hours a day, but I've got more time now. I've got more energy because I'm focused on what am I doing now and what's the most important thing that has to be done now and what's the most important thing that's going to be that needs to be done possibly next as a result of what I just did now. It's so funny, Tom, because I was going to say that grief taught me. I think it's the biggest master teacher in learning to stay present because you know, when you're grieving, I think the biggest pain that we feel when we're grieving is really having to let go of what our expectations were for the future. There's just so much, that's, that to me was the most painful part, I think, was letting go of all of those future plans and expectations I had with Serge or expectations for a family. There was so much pain in that. And once I started to focus more on what I, what I did have and what I continue to carry with me, our love, which never dies, our memories, which gave me strength and, um, you know, made me laugh, lifted me up in times of just complete uh, sorrow. Like I, in that, I was able to feel the gratitude, which is really hard, I think, in the beginning to like go to that space of gratitude when you're dealing with such tremendous loss. But Letting go of those expectations by staying present. Okay, what do I have now? What can I focus on now? That has served me so well moving forward. Um, And knowing, too, that I was resourceful, knowing that I needed help, like you said, Michelle, and knowing that I could find those avenues for help, you know, that it was within me to do that, that I was like the captain of my ship, that if I needed to get through this with somebody, that I was going to be able to find the resources to do it. Um, That served me well, um, because when I did get married, I had 
my two beautiful daughters and a few years uh, my first daughter was three years old and she was diagnosed with autism, right? And here goes the expectations like, but wait a second, I expected to have a child with no challenges, you know? And then it was like, well, you've been here before, <laughs> you know, let go of those expectations. What do you, what can you do to empower yourself through this new challenge? And it was my widowed experience. It was like, okay, I got to find community. Let me find other families who have children so I can understand what it is that I'm, I'm confronting, right? So I anyway. love that so much. And I want to just say to everyone watching um, that these are just exercises in what, are, what, have, what we've learned about ourselves. So as you hear us talking, I hope that it will bring up for you, what are the things, that's the question for you, what are the things that your widowhood has taught you about yourself? Because those things we carry with us into every single situation that's coming, including the one we all find ourselves currently living with. Um, so when you hear us talking about our experiences, I hope that it will start to trigger you to think about some of the things that your widowhood has taught you. Um, and then I would like to shift actually next to perspective. I wonder, I'm, I feel sure so many of you have seen the meme that's going around social media that basically says, um, you know what, you all are, you know, running around thinking that this is the worst day that's ever happened, you know, here, hold my beer. <laughs> that widow people have this sense of like, and, and I, and of course, what it's speaking to, right, is perspective. And so um, my next question is around perspective and, and how perspective can take everything that we're living with, just what Tanya said right now, you know, she comes to another challenge where expectations are, you know, she had one expectation and it turned into something else. And, and what her widowhood taught her was to, to release that and to look again. What it brought me back to was, again, the, the, the importance of now, but it reminded me of the short story by Tolstoy. It's called The Three Questions. And the three questions within that short story are, what is the most important thing to do? Who is the most important person? And when is the most important time? So I've been able to practice that, just that those, those parameters. And so during the time that I was immediately widowed, um, I was unable to put things in any kind of a perspective or list or, or sequence or order. My, my entire life was chaos and, and for a long time. There were, there were rays of time or moments of time where it wasn't chaotic. And yes, I could sleep and yes, I could function. But basically, my, my brain and was, was uh, in too many places. Emotionally, looking back at the past, what was, and I was unable to focus on now. So I'm, I'm leaning back to what I first shared about the first prompt. But uh, in terms of today's crises, there's more than one, obviously. Uh, now that you're widowed, that's another crisis that's very personal to you. And I'm not saying to, it, it, to throw your mask away and don't ever go back outside and, and forget about what's happening in the world, but try to do something, do your best to maybe light a candle and look at that candle and say, I'm going to look at this candle right now. I'm going to make this one phone call right now. And, and just kind of narrow your view of 
from all this stuff happening around us in the world. And, you know, one of the things that people have coached us on since the virus is to pay less attention, pay less attention to and spend less time looking at the media or the camera or whatever, the vicarious crises that are put on the plate every day. We don't have to pay uh, clinical attention to those. We don't have to do that. We've got other things that we have to do. Thanks. I think that for me, like I mentioned before, that sometimes focus is a thing for me, but um, a reminder that I don't control anything. I think those of us who are widowed know that we control nothing. That's that thing, you know, that, you know, God laughs at your plans. Like, (laughs) that's cute. And I had an entire chore, including going to Camp Widow. I had two readings set up in Tampa and Orlando. I was going to do book con in New York. I was going to be on the Today Show in April. And it all went bloop. And I went, that sucks. And then my perspective changes because I think that sometimes when things happen to us before widowhood, I think we take things personally. And we see things in the universe and go, but what does this do to me? That literally, it didn't just up in my world, and there's a group of authors who are now known as the Lockdown Literature Group, that literally our books have been released into a pandemic, which is super cute and fun. It's not. Um, and so we've had to adjust the adjust everything. And I think that as a widowed person, as a person who deals with grief, you get really good at adjustment. You get really good at saying, I don't want to, I can do this. And if this isn't possible, we can do this. Or the inverse is, I don't want to. My perspective of saying, I can help the people I can help, but I can't give more. I can't be the giving tree. COVID has helped, I think, expose how selfish we are. Like Tom was saying, it's like, you know, no, no one's saying it's it's hard with the masks and, you know, how are you going to construct your life? But, you know, just because you really want a taco doesn't mean there's no thing anymore and that you can't bring it back. And I think once again, as a widow person, as a Greek person who is now sort of a spokesperson for the grief, we have learned how to take care of other people. So if you say to us, listen, you going out and breathing on somebody might bring something back to your grandma. I think we understand the precariousness of life. And from that perspective, I think we might be less selfish, selfish in a way that is good, selfish in ways that help protect our sanity. So we have something to give, but completely unselfish in giving in a way that says, can I just order the taco? I'll, I'll ask Tom or Tanya, do you have any final words that you'd like to share? I, I will echo um, Tom's sentiment, you know, is really be gentle with yourselves. Um, that's first and foremost, and trust that you know what you need at any given moment. And that if you need a little help, just kind of sorting it through, there is community that you can tap into or a trusted friend. It's to find someone that you can be authentically who you are in your grief with, um, I think is a is really good wisdom that I I learned along the way. You ha- you have to be able to share your experience with somebody that can can help validate those feelings for you, and just that nothing stays the same forever. You know, we experience really dark moments, but they they don't have to last forever. You know, and with that, joy doesn't also last forever. So enjoy it while you have it. I think that's my two cents. I love that. And I also want to just point out that um, I've been trying to remind myself through all of what's happening to welcome those moments of joy. Yeah. Because the hard stuff is coming anyways. Mm -hmm. And when you find that joy, 
take it and just revel in it for a minute. And if it lasts 30 seconds, it lasts 30 seconds, but it was a great 30 seconds. So don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. Take let it, yeah. that joy in because uh, you know, the hard part is going to be there and you're going to, you're going to be needing to walk through the hard part anyways, but to, to be able to grasp whatever joy is available to you in, in any quiet moment or however long it lasts, it's just, it's such a gift and it, and it can sit right beside the hard stuff. They just are side by side. And in that, you know, you'll, you'll toggle between the two, but you know, that's always my hope is that there is an element of joy within the hard, you know, within the parts that are dark, that there's some lightness and that we get to stand in that light for a minute. It's just, it's important. So hang on to them when you have them. Tom, did you have any, any final words? Good. I would say that um, reflecting on everything that's been shared and my own journey, um, there's so much, there's so many got to do's and there's so many things that have got to be done, but they all don't have to be done now. Um, I remember, uh, on a very personal note, I remember our, uh, our, some of our nieces were quite young when their aunt passed. And of course they were totally unaware of so many things, including the circumstances and the involvement of another family member. And I remember one of the adults asking me, what am I gonna, what am I gonna tell them? What am I gonna tell them about what happened? Well, if they're four years old and five years old or seven years old or whatever age, or the, an infant, you don't, have to, you don't have to come up with an answer now. And so you don't, you don't everything does not have to be done now. So, I'm not even going to say do one thing at a time because sometimes that's hard to figure out what's the one thing, but don't try to do it all now. Thanks. Good luck. Uh, that is such great, great advice. Go ahead, Tanya. Great advice. I have one more thing because it's, it's, it's ringing in my head. For all of you who are new to this um, widowhood her journey and that are just afraid that you have to like let go of your person, your love and all of that, that you have to come to a point where you don't talk about them anymore or anything. That's not the case. I'm almost 19 years and I do this work in honor of Sergio. He's very much a part of my life today as he was back in 2001. So I want anyone who might be feeling that fear of having to let go of that to release it because you get to keep your person with you for the rest of your life. You get to keep that love and I think that was so important for me to hear early on. So that's a. Uh... Yeah, I love that. And I feel like that's, you know, it's a perfect ending is that, you know, each of every one of your panelists today, um, you know, honors their loved one with this work and honors their continued connection to the person they love with this work. Uh, and being willing to reach out to another person. So know that, you know, this ongoing connection you have with your person that you get to keep too. And actually that's part of your pillar behind you. You know, they're yeah. a part of that as well. And so um, we're, we'll end on that note. I want to just also echo what Tom said. You don't have to do it now. I love that. So be good to yourself. Know that even in this time when you know, it's hard to know what the right thing to do is. You don't have to have all the answers today. And if the information changes tomorrow, then tomorrow you can make another choice. And so free yourself from the expectation that living in the world today, we're gonna to know what the answer is for tomorrow. We may not know. 
Well, one of the things that widowhood has taught me personally is that not knowing doesn't mean I can't make it through.